When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply couple questions heading into the next game. If you're Dean Evison, do you think about Flurry? Um, now I do. Now I honestly do because Gustafson had his moment in game one. He obviously won game three, but he's just been kind of pedestrian. And if you talk about a guy who has come in brings energy and has stolen games in his career. And if he's not, if he ends up going to the hockey hall of fame, which is possible, it's because of that it's flurry. And so I do for a team needing something um, like I thought when they went to flurry in game two, they were fixing the wrong problem. When they went to flurry in game two, Gustafson is the calmer goalie. Flurry is the more controlled chaos version of a goaltender. Um, and so I thought when they went to Gustafson, when they went in game two with the series lead, Minnesota needed calm. Now, with how much the stars have been living and thriving on the calm the past two games, I, I, I think you could live with a little chaos in that. I think you could live with Flurry. I think you, you're at the spot where you throw everything at the wall and sees what sticks. And I would, I would heavily consider it because... I think the stars are starting to the book changes, right? Every NHL team has a, has a book on goaltenders and everything like that. Um, even Andre Vasilevsky, which we saw, it was, this is a big hubbub on, on Twitter last night because, uh, uh, or yesterday, whatever day it was where, um, Derek Lalonde, who's the coach of the Detroit Red Wings, was is on the panel right now for Sportsnet, and he thought he brought up how the Lightning a long time ago did a study and realized that uh, Andre Vasilevsky does not is not great on point shots from the point, and it was brought up a big like hubbub on Twitter about it and everything like that. But it it is just kind of further proof that like even the best goalie in the world or who is there's a book on him, and so. I think there's a space for you're the wild. The stars have been figuring Gustafson out. There's a natural shooting way you handle things and you throw a wrench into the system and see what happens because I don't see the solution lineup wise. It's not like putting, I don't know. It's, it's not like putting, Alex Goligoski or Oscar Sundquist aren't going to change anything. I mean, it's not like it. It's not like anything like that is going to change. So I think Flurry is maybe that great glass in case of emergency start, and you see what happens. Yeah, you keep mentioning the book, so I know you're getting me to plug your book. So <laughs> the book is called "We Win Here: The Definitive Essays You Need About the Texas Stars." It's a great book. Just... It's getting great reviews. Sean dropping those subtle hints. Uh, just like he tried to ruin the stars in this series earlier when he says when the stars win this series and got all the wild fans and bulletin board material. So I, I get you, man. We're getting to know each other. We spent the whole season together. I understand when you're dropping book mentions. 
I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was talking about books in general, but I, 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 I like when you I like I like what you're picking. Up I know. I, hey, man, I don't mind plugging it. I don't support the cause. Absolutely. Okay. And honestly, and yeah. honestly, and honestly, with it's with some of the other animosity and heatedness I've seen around this series. I feel like we've gone relatively unscathed. Like I, 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 I made an assertion about who I thought would win and definitely ticks the people off. But like, I feel, and I think part of that is because we've done a fair job in covering it. I feel like, I feel like if you're a wild fan listening to this, I don't think you could say we haven't been fair to what's happening. I think that, uh, I mean, I'll pat ourselves on the back. I, I think we've done a good job of uh, just reporting the story as it should be told. Yeah, so. I think so. I mean, that's one of the things I wanted, and one of the reasons I wanted to create this podcast is just an objective opinion. You know, like, for instance, when the hit took place tonight with Felino, um, I wanted to, I took a step back and I love the TNT slash TBS description where they actually physically showed how the hit happened. And, you know, then you look at different things because I just didn't want to just fly off and express my opinion without hearing from former referees, without hearing from, you know, former players in the NHL. So I, I try to take a step back and I just want stars. No, to, obviously both of us want the stars to continue to win. I want this town to be a buzz, but you know, I, I'm also, I'm going to express my opinion and hopefully you can understand that I'm not just throwing it out there. It comes with some, you know, uh, factual takes from other people within the league, just like you, Sean. Um, so yeah, I think we've done a, I think we've done a pretty nice job. Okay. Pete DeBoer sat Colin Miller tonight for the second straight game. The question is on Friday night, if you're Pete DeBoer, Sean, do you put Colin Miller back in? Uh, I, I mean, if I'm, if I would, if I'm Pete DeBoer, but I'm, I don't think Pete DeBoer will, um, I would put him back in because, and we've talked about, we've talked about Joel Hanley quite a bit where I think Joel Hanley is a, understands the seventh defenseman role better than most. And he can play that role and he can step in. Cause I think for lack of a better word, I think you don't want to lose Colin Miller. I don't, I think. I think Colin Miller is a player that is at risk of if you sit him three games, sit him four games, sit him five games, and then in a world where you're in, you need Colin Miller in game four of the next round, he's someone who needs to have been playing where Joel Hanley is someone who plays the same game either way. Joel Hanley played 10 minutes, 40 seconds tonight, right? Miro Heshkinen played 28, 20. Yeah. It was and now I think part of that was, I think part of completely unleashing the load of allowing Miro to play 28-20 had to do with the fact that there are now two days between games. So it was a perfect time to do it. Um, so I think that definitely had something to do with it. But Colin Miller can do what Joel Hanley did in 10 minutes and 40 seconds, and he can move the puck a little bit more too. So I would I would bring Colin Miller back in for game six. I think there is a... Not this is not a slight against Joel Hanley. I think it is a reality of you want to keep as many guys involved as possible because you're going to have you're you're going to have. I mean, they've made it clear Nils Lundqvist is not playing for them. 
They, yeah. they, they've made it clear unless, unless two defensemen get hurt, Nils Lundqvist is not entering the lineup. So I, I would, I think you don't want to be in a spot where you create a situation where Miller, you lose Miller as well. So I would bring him back in for game six. Um, Cause, and even if he struggles, you can only play him 10 minutes. It's fine. Right. I, I, I would also, the other interesting thing about how the stars handled ice time tonight, just while we're on that subject, right. Um, it's to me, it was, I thought it was a really, it was a masterclass in energy cons- conservation for everyone on the lineup aside from Miro Hashkin. And obviously 2820 is a lot, but like not a single. So Sagan played 17. I'm looking at it right now. Sagan played 1713. That's the most of any stars forward. Evgeny Dadanov, who I think continues to have a great impact. Boy, does like he if, ever. If I told you Dadanov only played 1348, would you believe me? No. But, like, like just the the impact he's had at th- and like, and then Foxa, right? Foxa played eleven fifty five tonight, right? Like, if I told you that, and you think about watching the game, you're like, "There's no way Radic Foxa played less than twelve minutes." Yeah, there's no way. But I thought the Stars did a great job of spreading the ice time around. Um, seeing Jason Robertson at uh, at six, just around sixteen minutes, like I thought that was like I, little things where in the third period. When the uh, when the stars had the lead, they were able to just really conserve things and 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 work for the marathon, not the sprint. Um, it's going to be the interesting decision that will that will come for the stars. And we talk about Colin Miller, but it's going to be interesting to see how on where they go with the. Uh, on who comes out when Pavelski does come back in, because um, obviously when Pavelski comes back, we'll come back in and we'll add some offense right away. But there's been some, the the Stars' fourth line, I mean, obviously there'll be a trickle down, someone will come out. Like, Boxa is the fourth line center, yeah. and I thought he was good on yeah, penalty did, kill and everything. Yeah, but, good, but it's like, good job defensively tonight by Foxa. But like, I don't think people realize the impact Luke Lendenian is having in his very short time period. Like tonight yep. he was like, I'm looking at it right now. He won nine of 11 faceoffs killed. He was on the ice for two thirty six shorthanded. Like he's someone who is just really unheralded in what he's been doing down deep in the lineup. He's actually got one of the few even strength goals. The stars have in this series too, obviously, but it's kind of lost because it came in, in, in one of the losses in Minnesota, in the loss in Minnesota. Um, it's it's a good problem to have because you're going to yeah. need lots of you're going to need uh, on a deep run you're going to need multiple bodies. Um, I think Kivi Ranta would be my. I mean, I, and, I would think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I would think so too. I, I would think so too. Um, yeah. That's definitely that that would definitely be the trickle down. I think, um, and uh, that's kind of how things would go. But uh, yeah, I I I would hope to see Colin Miller back in just for concept of long term sustainability for this defense because i think you can take joel hanley out and you could put joel hanley back in for the next game if needed and it won't change his game i think every game colin miller doesn't play you start to lose the most effective colin miller so i hate to give you a homework assignment and (laughs) you don't have to get back to me by friday 
Maybe you can get back to me in June, July. But as I'm watching Evgeny Dodonov tonight, all I kept thinking of, and even on the local broadcast, they were talking about how in just a short time, the teammates love him in the room. Five teams. And I just, you know, if he's not a problem in the room, I'm I'm just, I'm so curious because I look at that skill set and I say, wow, you would think a team would want him for a couple of years. Like if I'm Jim Nil, I'm looking at the cohesion of that Johnston, the Donoff, Ben line. And I'm like, I need to keep that together in the off season. You know, maybe you can get him for a one year. Maybe it has to be a two year. I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm curious if you talk to some league execs, what their thoughts would be and why he's been so well traveled. Yeah, I, I do think just, and this is the, there is an element of, it's not about the room. I think it has nothing to do with the room. I think it there is an element of, and this is nothing against Dodonov, but it's just the reality of it. There are certain guys who want to get paid more. And and just, and, and I'm not saying, and, and like, I, I think that also comes into play too, where Dodonov sign being on a five-year, or sorry, three-year deal worth, Five million per season that he signed with Ottawa, like kind of, he kind of got himself cap crunched out of Ottawa. Uh, for that, he was in kind of left Florida because he was gonna. He left Florida because he wanted more than the he wanted more than the the four million that that he had with there. So, I, I think there is. I think sometimes when a guy moves around, there may be a difference of how a guy handles his business when dealing with the GM versus when he's in the room. I think, I think that's something that we kind of have to think about as well. And there's nothing, there's nothing to be told against that. Like for example, um, in this series, a great comparison is John Klingberg. Um, John Klingberg is a guy who is great in the room. You would want him as your teammate, no matter what, never, even last year when he was dealing with uh, the contract stuff and everything like that, never let it impact his conversation yeah. with his teammates or anything like that. But Klingberg wanted to get paid like Seth Jones. He wanted to get paid big. He, yep. he, that was important to him. And even I always go back to when Essel and Dell got his big contract, um, which probably ended up being a bit of an overpay, but honestly, not for COVID, it probably wasn't an overpay. Like the Essel and Dell contract's a weird, like it's hard to look at that one without applying the COVID slider that made it a flat cap. Um, but when Essa was negotiating his deal, Klingberg went out of his way to reach out to Lindell to tell him to get as much as you can. Because Klingberg's thought process at the time was he helped Essa get paid. Essa got paid big. It would get him a bigger deal in the long run with Dallas, obviously. It didn't work out that way because he kind of ended up leaving money on the table by betting on himself and failing. But that's some players when it comes to like, why did, um, once again, it's funny how everything connects to this series. I mean, Max, Max Domi has been on a lot of teams too. And Max Domi has been, I mean, you listen to every interview with Max Domi. I mean, he is heralding this team. He is all oh. about the Dallas Stars in the room and playing with Jamie Ben well, and the, you know uh, Rope Max, Hans and 
Max Max Domi's issue is he doesn't play defense. Yeah. Let's 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 just call it what it is. Like Max Domi's issue is he doesn't play defense well enough. And so it's it becomes when it comes time to invest. Um if you're the Chicago Blackhawks who are actively tanking, it's an easy investment. If you're the Arizona Coyotes, it's okay. Uh, so but if you're a team trying to win and Max you have to have the right fit for Max Domi. And so I think he can, it's nothing with his personality. It's just his play. We know hockey coaches tend to be more conservative in their views of the game. A guy who doesn't play defense doesn't hold as much value to stick around. So like that, that's, that's the case with Max Domi, where I don't think anyone in that room is like, ah, man, we don't want this guy around. It's more so, it's more so coaches thinking, this guy doesn't play defense. What's he going to he's not going to play defense why do i want him so yeah it's a good it's a good point and i think that's one of the things to get back to sagan that i've been so impressed with that he's really changed his you know become a better two-way player as he's gotten older and kind of transformed his game and uh, you know much better in the face-off circle and you know that that's what's so impressive about the development of uh, uh of uh tyler sagan so all right friday night hopefully it's an early game sean but at the same time you know once again you're a beast Oh, by the way, I did want to throw out, you mentioned John Klingberg. I think he's had a really strong series for the Wild, and I say that as a pending UFA. Um, mm-hmm. I think some teams will look at him, and it probably won't be the deal that you know he has always wanted, but at the same time, if I'm a team, and I mean, I see a drastic difference from the John Klingberg in Anaheim, for obvious reasons, and the John Klingberg with this Minnesota Wild team. I wonder, and I, I don't say this just because obviously it's another team that I've covered closely, but it, but it's just a reality of seeing the moves they made at the deadline and, and their Swedish connection. I, I really wonder if he ends up in Detroit. Be a nice because fit. Of, because the Red Wings traded away Philip Ronick, who was a right-handed D. Um, they have a lot of, a lot of guys on the left, but like they gotta, they need to find like two to three right-handed defensemen across their entire system this year. And so you talk about a team that has uh, a high Swedish contingent in Detroit and a team that has a need at the right-handed D and has cap space to get him a bit more of the money that he left on the table by not signing a long-term deal with Dallas when it was on the table. So I, I wonder if we see, because I, I don't think, I don't think Klingberg is going to get the money in the term from a contender. I, I just, I don't think um, if he wants to go to a contender, it's going to have to be a short-term deal. If he wants the long-term deal where he and his family, they have two, he's got two, he's got two young kids. Now he actually is a Dallas. John Klingberg is actually still a Dallas resident right now. So like this was a road game for the wild, but John Klingberg um, is still has his owns his house in Dallas and John Klingberg had spent more time in Dallas than he did in California and Minnesota in the past two cal- calendar years. So yeah. um, I think, I think a contender to make Klingberg fit is going to have to be a shorter deal. If he wants the long-term deal, I think that's where some of these teams who could look at him as a part of the bridge to the future could be, he could, he could be a fit there. I think he signs with Detroit. And it's similar to a Wyatt Johnston, Joe Pavelski thing. <laughs> Klingberg moves in with the Shapiros. <laughs> I, 
I mean, it makes sense. He's close. You know, I, I mean, you got youngsters. I, 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 he's you know similar to Wyatt Johnson. Maybe he's closer to their age than you. You know, I mean. <laughs> I'm not that old. <laughs> I know you're not. I know you're not. I know you're not. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not that old. I'm, I'm not that old. Uh, uh, I, do have a, I, I do have a guest room, but uh, with John made seven million dollars this year, so he can, he's good. Uh, I, I'm sure he's. Uh, I'm, I'm sure uh, wherever he ends up, he'll be able to. He'll be able to buy in the nice part of town. <laughs> All right. The book's called We Win Here. It covers the Texas Stars. The AHL has some. Great stories in it. Talks about why it matters. Uh, he writes for D Magazine. Had an article out today on Jason Robertson. Uh, he writes for Shap Shots. He writes for EP Ringside. He's also what we call the beast here at Spits and Suds. So for those wondering, we will try to get Craig Ludwig off the couch and we'll preview <laughs> this uh, Wild Stars game on uh, Friday night. So that's going to do it for post game number five. Yes. Post game number five, all these late nights, Sean Shapiro, as always, on behalf of all Dallas Stars fans, thank you for staying up with us. You're awesome, and we will talk to you on Friday, hopefully early evening. That's the part where you say, thanks, buddy. <laughs> I didn't know if it was, I didn't know if it was a No, it's okay, closeout. it's I okay. I didn't know, if, I didn't know if it was a hard closeout or what. Hey, but it man, was, uh, I'm plugging the book tonight. I feel like no, I'm on my game, I, you know? I, I didn't know, but it's, uh been fun and uh honestly gavin this has been it's been it's been great to just kind of after each game to sit down and just get thoughts out about it i agree it's fun it's been fun exercise and we get to do it for you know what by winning tonight by the stars winning tonight they guaranteed at least two more of these potentially even more so it's yeah. it's it's a good night for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a it's a lot of fun. It's an adrenaline rush. And uh, thanks to all of you, we're getting the podcast numbers in, and all of these post games are finishing in the top five as far as all time downloads for Spits and Suds. So we appreciate it. You know, it makes it exciting for us to come in after games and do this when we see the download numbers. So thank you, Stars fans, and thank you, NHL fans. For listening. So we will talk to you later in the week. I'm Gavin Spittle. He's Sean Shapiro. Once again, the Dallas Stars go up on the series three games to two Friday night in Minnesota. Here we come right here on Spits and Suds.